If your spider plant is looking peaky and that Venus flytrap you bought just kicked the bucket, you need On The Ledge, the podcast about indoor gardening where you learn everything you need to know to keep your house plants looking lush. I'm Jane Perone. Join me and a host of wonderful guests to chat all things houseplants at On The Ledge Podcast. everybody welcome to the miles to memories podcast i'm sean kuma your host joined as always by joe chung and mark osterman really exciting show for you today we're going to talk about las vegas a few updates on the vegas strip plus win las vegas accusing customers of fraud over a shared deal really kind of confusing message they sent out and their apology we'll discuss all of that we're also going to dive into disney world's reservation system and talk about real world and how it's working and what you need to know if you're planning a trip this fall. Joe has been messing around with that system all day, trying to get himself a reservation for a park, and he will let us know how it's gone. Plus, we're going to dive into the perfect four credit card wallet for American Express. As a lot of you know, the limit for credit cards with American Express is four, so we're going to go through their entire product portfolio to determine which ones are best for you and for us, plus rapid fire and more. But first, if you like the show, please consider subscribing. mtmpodcast.com is where you can go for that. Tell a friend, let people know that we're there. Leave us a great review. It really helps us reach more people. And we definitely appreciate you guys, our audience. We also have our Patreon, patreon.com forward slash miles to memories with a few slots. If you're interested in more in-depth content, we have private Facebook, private Discord, and bonus content just for Patreon subscribers every single month. So check that out. And... Let's hit it. How's everything been this week, Joe? Uh, it's pretty good. When you haven't traveled for a long time, you're kind of not used to packing and all the stuff that needs to be done beforehand. So just um, trying to get all that done. We're leaving either tomorrow night or Wednesday night uh, to drive down to New Jersey. And we got to figure out you know, how we're going to fit everything in the car with a dog. And then what do we got to take care of here? So you know, it's all a lot of stress. But uh, excited to be hitting the road. What about you, Mark? It was good. I mean, happy Father's Day. This is we're recording on Monday, coming out Thursday. So yesterday was Father's Day. So happy Father's Day to you too, and all the other uh, fathers listening. Moms definitely get uh, a lot of the credit, which well deserved. Um, but fathers are important too. So thank you for all that you guys do. Yeah, not, not much. I didn't do much. I mean, oh, uh, the wife took the kids to up to her parents and like to my aunt because she's a stylist, so she cut her hair in her house and stuff. So that was like one of my Father's Day gifts is uh, a day to myself for the first time in three months. So that <laughs> that was nice. But of course, knowing that it's 2020 and nothing can ever go well in this year, 30 minutes after they left, I'm, uh, you know, hanging out, watching a show, just relaxing. And my power goes out, of course, for several hours. So <laughs> even nice things come with a bad side this year, I guess. I don't know. Hey, you know, we're only halfway through the year, so maybe the second half will be just it better all, be uh, really, really rainbows amazing. and unicorns. It was great. We had a great Father's Day. Uh, Ellie is five years old, and she just became self-aware of Father's Day this year. So, like a week ago, she's like, "Dad, Father's Day is is coming soon," and nobody had told her that or anything. So I don't know where she saw it, but she was like excited leading up to it, and made a card and had made me pancakes and everything else. So it was really, it was really cool to see her. Kind of get excited about it. Girls are just different than boys. Boys don't really <laughs> care as much. But, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's, it's a great day. A good week. I mean, the highlight of my week was driving out to Boulder City and seeing the bighorn sheep 
overlooking Lake Mead, so that was nice. Like a zoo type thing, or there's just sheep roaming around that you just go look at? Yeah, everywhere in the Lake Mead National Recreation Area, which is right next to Boulder City, there's, I mean, I don't know how many, but there's thousands and thousands of bighorn sheep that live in that area. But in Boulder City, there's this park called Hemingway Park that sort of overlooks Lake Mead. And they come out of the mountains during several parts of the year. I don't know the exact, they're not always there. And I don't know what seasons they're there or not. But um, I hadn't seen them in quite a long time. But yeah, they're just out hanging out in the park. They're very, uh, you don't want to go up to them, obviously, because they have big horns. But they're very used to being around people. So they're not aggressive at all. You can see beautiful views of the lake. And I don't know, there's probably a hundred of them there, maybe or so. So it was a lot, a lot of them roaming around. And then uh, Boulder City is where you want to have the next... Uh... Diamond Lounge Meetup, right? Pirate Co. What is that? What's the name? Oh, of that? oh, yeah. So yeah, so we're driving down there, and I went out there with my with my friend Dave, and he's like, "Have you ever seen the Pirates House out here?" And I said, "No." I said, "What are you talking about?" No. So it's actually just down the street from the park, and we go there, and it's like this twenty three bedroom compound that's all themed to like pirates, with like the pools are all pirates. There's pirate ships. There's suspension bridges there's i mean just can you it's like a a house that's a theme park and i guess you can rent it for for uh, days or weekends or something so yeah i think i read I it know. um sleeps like 75 people or something like that 65 something like that i'm not yeah sure. it's it's enormous it's built into the side of the cliff beautiful views of the lake but i'm you know the inside of the house looks kind of like a cabin so it's not like the inside's all that fancy but the the whole grounds there's several pools everything is completely you know, like you're in Disneyland, kind of. And, yeah, 23 bedrooms, so, yeah, it would sleep a lot of people. Uh, of course, I'm sure it would cost a lot of money, too. I don't know how much it costs, but... I think I Googled it was, like, 15 grand a night. <laughs> yeah, I don't doubt it. I don't doubt it at all, especially if you went on, like, a, on a weekend and stuff. Maybe they'd give a, a deal for COVID, but it would still be... I mean, it's a, it's a substantial property. But, yeah, it's cool. And Boulder City, if anybody's never been there, it's an old town. It kind of was founded when they were building Hoover Dam, and it's the only... Um, city in in nevada without gaming so there's no gambling within the city limits so it's it feels kind of like you're not in nevada when you're there and they have a really cool downtown area that you can walk with cool restaurants and all kinds of stuff there so it's a really kind of how long does it take to get there like an hour from where i live it's 20 minutes in henderson from the strip about 30 okay not bad at all so definitely like a good day trip or something it's the town that's right you know right before you get to lake mead okay and then what's the other uh, interesting place most people don't know about the, the mountain town that has, like, snow and stuff in the winter? Well, there's Mount Charleston. Um, yeah, that's... Yeah, which is the kind of mountain that looms over us to the west, kind of to the northwest side. And that, I think the ele- the top elevation there is around 11,000 feet, the peak. Of course, in the winter, it's covered in snow. And in the summer, it's there's amazing hiking up there, and the weather is fantastic because you're at a higher elevation. So it's a great place to go in the summer to hike, and in the winter there are so there is a ski resort up there, although it's not kind of considered to be the same level as some of the ones in California or Utah, but a good place for locals to escape to. And I know Ian Ian went up there recently. He just visited, uh, and he went up there. And then, I mean, there's so many cool outdoor things to do here in Vegas. People really do need to get beyond the Strip if they come and visit. Well, speaking of Vegas, I did want to update it this week. I wrote a little bit about something that I thought was kind of troubling or kind of, I don't know, a little bit insulting, a little bit of everything. And then we'll, we'll do some more updates on Vegas too. But uh, when Las Vegas briefly released a comp promotion on their website that allowed basically anybody who signed up for one of their players club accounts, which you could do on their website, 
basically free nights, free nights, no resort fee, no taxes, no anything. And uh, it was shared on quite a few websites, uh, including ours. I think uh, Doctor of Credit had it. I, I saw it there. I saw it kind of pop up a bunch of places at once. But uh, I did link to Doctor of Credit because that was the, the place I saw it. And I booked it myself, and I wrote about it, and then it died pretty quickly. But then the next day, I noticed on Wynn's website, they had raised the prices. It didn't say comp anymore, my reservation. It actually had a cash price on it. And then even later in the day, they wrote an email out to customers basically saying it was a fraudulent offer and that people who had shared it had done so fraudulently. And, you know, they basically accused customers or people sharing the deal of doing something wrong, which was quite upsetting. Instead of just admitting that they made a mistake or it was an error or something, you know, something easy like that, just say, our our apologies, this is what the price would be or something, you know, but to call people basically scammers is a bit much, especially with how much they're hurting and how much Vegas needs people to show up these days. Yeah, I mean, I feel like when it's airlines or whatever, they'll say, like, we made a mistake or there was a technical glitch or something like that. They'll use that as cover. Generally, I don't know when the last time I... I don't know if I can recall a time when like a mistake fare was turned around on the consumer and, you know, was used. How dare you buy this? That was on our website for this price. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, like it's pretty standard operating procedure to just admit that you screwed up and either be like, we screwed up and we'll honor this or say we screwed up and sorry, but we're going to have to give you something modified or something like that. But it's really weird to be like, hey, uh, you screwed up. Yeah, it's it's strange. And I, let me it's not a long letter. So let me read it because I want people I don't want to be transparent with what they actually said. It said it has come to our attention that an unauthorized offer purporting to give complimentary rooms at Wynn Las Vegas was recently posted on quote unquote unsanctioned websites. Those posts were in violation of the applicable terms of the offer, which clearly prohibits the offer from being transferred to another person or reposted or published on a third party website. Unfortunately, it appears that you booked a reservation under this offer without knowing it was unauthorized, so at least it does say that. You likely noticed at the time of booking that there were paid room nights and a deposit was required for the reservation at the time of booking. So I'll just say there's a lot of things that are incorrect in that, including the fact that it was booked directly on Win Las Vegas's website. It was available to everybody. There was no offer that was transferred. There was no offer that was – there was no fraud involved. Yeah, you had um, to log into your account to book it. So yeah. <laughs> And, uh, you know, you likely noticed at the time of booking that these were paid room nights. No, I had a, actually had a screenshot from my post that I wrote showing that it actually showed comp. Thank God I had that screenshot. Um, so uh, it, it was just full of uh, just full of inaccuracies. It ended. The funniest thing was the letter ends in the future. And we have a link to, to all my posts about this. But in the future, please know that the most reliable place for legitimate offers is our website, winlasvegas.com. Do you guys know what website I booked that on? <laughs> I booked it on winlasvegas.com. Uh, so, so I wrote about this. I also contacted their public relations as I wrote about it, saying if they wanted to comment. And, of course, they never responded back. But then it got retweeted by a very big Las Vegas account and started to get noticed. And then, of course... I got an email from uh, the vice president of uh, communications for Win, basically apologizing, admitting that they were wrong, that they had thought it was on other websites, didn't realize it was publicly available. And, uh, you know, they apologized. I, I didn't ask them for anything. Um, I didn't write about this to get anything from them. So just to be very clear that I didn't get anything from them, I didn't ask for anything. Yeah, they um, only just, sent it to you. They didn't send the apology to all members, which yeah. is, is sad. And, you know, and we had even things like we had I had a blogger who I know has been recently hosted their comment on my post defending them. They don't need defending here. I said very, very much from the very beginning 
that I didn't think that they had to honor the deal, just as I don't think with hotel mistake rates. They could just come and say it was a mistake. Let's cancel it. My issue was with the accusations they made. And I'm glad that they got caught out. I'm glad that thousands and thousands of people saw what they did and that it forced them to apologize. Do I think it's going to change anything in the long term? Probably not. And um, I do hope that maybe other people who really felt like they were put out do get compensation. Maybe they can pursue it further. That wasn't my intention. I don't really need a free room at the win for this. So I'm just going to let it go for myself. But, uh, you know, if, if a company does that to you, fight back. You know, if they accuse you of something. In this case, they were accusing me as a customer of sort of booking an unauthorized offer, but also as somebody who wrote about it as sort of sharing an unauthorized offer. And both of those things were untrue. And uh, it was just a mistake on there. And they shouldn't have, you know, it should have had a price and it didn't. And their IT person made a mistake. And instead of just admitting it, I'm sure that they made up some story and then it ended up into that letter. Think of all the the uh, press they could have gotten if they just like said, hey, we made the mistake, but we want you to come back to Vegas, come with open arms or whatever. Most of the money they make, I know it's less so from gambling and stuff than it used to be, but gambling and dining and stuff, you're still going to make more money than nothing. So it could have been like a PR win that got shared everywhere, or at least just come out and say, hey, mistake, we'll give you a reduced rate or whatever. You know, there were so many ways to handle it. They went to the nuclear option the worst way. Yep. And they're great. I mean, when Las Vegas has known for their great service. Uh, it's a great property, but there are other properties in Las Vegas that have equally as good rooms, equally as good service. So, you know, if they're not treating you right, if you book that offer and you don't like the way they talk to you, consider booking somewhere else. It's still, I'm not going to argue that Wynn is not a top-notch property or that they don't provide an exceptional level of service because they do in all of my experiences at their properties, both here and in Macau. So um, I'm just trying to be as, as honest and fair about that. But one other thing that came out of Vegas this week that I thought was interesting was Caesar's Palace. I noticed a tweet from them the other day, and they're essentially giving people free slot play for wearing masks on the casino floor. Would uh, What do you guys think about that? I think it's kind of genius. They don't want to enforce a, a policy to upset customers that are going there, but they also want to kind of encourage it. So that's an interesting way to encourage it. Now, how many people will, will wear a mask just to get the $20 and then as soon as they get it, take it off? I don't know if that's like a thing or not, but that's the first thing I thought about. But I think, you know, they're they're looking for ways to help, you know, promote it, I guess, versus, you know, just making a, a standard rule. And I think I thought you had a good idea where they could have like, you know, they have multiple casinos. They're opening them up. Maybe just open up one in your brand and say, this is a mask. Like you have to have a mask to enter this place. This is the only one we're doing it. But anybody that comes in here, wear a mask. And then, you know, people that are feel more comfortable with masks could go there. People that don't want to wear masks could go to the other property. I mean... I think that's a genius idea, something they should think about. Well, I saw a few days ago that now, like, Vegas is saying, if you're playing at a table game that doesn't have a barrier, like, doesn't have those plexiglass things up, then you have to wear a mask. So, you know, I agree that you should just... It, there are much more simple ways to make these regulations. But, like, right now, so, like, if I go to a blackjack table and there's no barriers, then I have to be wearing a mask while I play. But if I go to a blackjack table that does have those plastic barriers, I don't. And, you know, that depends on casino. And, you know, it's got to be super confusing for tourists and customers. So, you know, I don't know. they gotta, they got to figure something out. Well, that came about because there there has been a lot of pressure and a lot of people here feel like everybody should be required to wear a mask. And the Gaming Control Board last week met, and they were widely expected to require the use of masks. But between kind of the rumor mill going and, and their actual meeting, I don't know if the casinos pressed back, but they came out of that meeting 
not requiring masks. But like you said, they made the change that if you're at a table game without a plexiglass barrier, that you have to wear a mask. So that was the only change that came out of it. I know that they're going to be continually looking at this because we are seeing a spike in cases here in Nevada, although the percentage of positives isn't really spiking. So it could be due to more testing. Um, but they're looking very closely. And I wouldn't be surprised if over time we get to a point where masks are required. But like you said, Mark, yeah, like MGM uh, Resorts and, and Caesars uh, have properties that are still closed. Why not try to open them up mask only and see if that attracts people that don't want to be a place where, where people don't have masks, you know? And uh, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure they're all trying to figure out what to do. But, you know, it's it's just like anywhere these days. I've traveled a few places. I think we'll see just anywhere you go, you're going to have to deal with this issue. There's a good portion of the population that doesn't believe that they need to wear a mask. And so uh, we're going to all have to deal with that. And Vegas is struggling with all these same sorts of issues, too. It's kind of the similar thing that the airlines are having issues with. You know, the FAA won't come out and say masks are mandatory. So they're, they're saying, I want to leave it up to the airlines. And then that just creates confusion. Nobody knows what to expect, what airlines are going to be enforcing it more. So, you know, and then it falls down to the flight attendants and people are saying, well, it's not a law, but it's law to follow whatever a flight attendant says in terms of safety. So, you know, if people would just come out with a strong stance either way and just say, this is the way it is, it'd be a lot easier for everybody. You know, there's so much confusion because nobody knows exactly what's going on which I think is is leading to a lot of the issues across the country in all forms of, you know, businesses and stuff. It, if there was just a set standard, it'd be everybody could adapt to it and it, there would be no fighting over it. It'd be over. It'd be decided. But yeah, yes. if we get to that point, who knows? <laughs> now, <laughs> mini, I am... mini rant. OK, when your principal can't decide a cell phone policy for the school and decides that the teachers need to enforce their own policies oh, class by class. It is very frustrating, okay? So you guys all have kids. You understand. People, kids like to know what the parameters are, right? Just give us the parameters so yep. we can live under those, right? And come up with a cell phone policy. <laughs> I think that I is think... like the worst, the worst plan ever. Oh, man. Yeah. Well, you know, it's passing the buck. Anytime you can pass the buck, it makes life easier, right? But... Mr. Uh, or Mrs. Principal, you better be listening to this podcast right now. <laughs> Actually, I hope not. I, I still need the job. So. so just to close out Vegas, I am hoping to get down to the strip uh, this week to film some stuff for the YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash miles to memories. The last video up there is an actual opening tour of Circus Circus and the Adventure Dome theme park and stuff if you haven't seen that. So check that out. But hopefully I'll have some more relevant uh, up-to-date content this week from the Vegas Strip. Uh, if people are interested. And, you know, I hate that this is a really kind of a traditional, <laughs> we're going Vegas to Disney here. And I know not everybody loves that stuff. We are going to talk a huge amount of credit cards here at the end. But Joe, you wanted to update people because you were today, the day we're recording on Monday, uh, it was the first day that ho people with hotel reservations in Walt Disney World could reserve a park space, I guess, right? And you were fighting with that system this morning, weren't you? Yeah. So, Disney World is like weird now because you have to make a reservation for the day that you want to go and Disney World has four different parks and so you have to make a reservation for the day that you want to go and the park that you want to go and today was the first day that you could do that. Just for those of you listening, I'll run through really quickly. Today, June 22nd is the day that if you have a hotel on Disney property and tickets, you could buy. On the 24th, you can buy new packages in 2021. On the 26th, annual pass holders can reserve their tickets. And on the 28th, uh, anyone with a ticket can reserve. Anyway, 
All that you need to know is if you ever worked with Disney IT, it's terrible. It remains terrible. They do not have enough servers. They don't know how to handle the server load. Even when the servers are working, uh, things are broken. So the ticket system opened at 7 a.m. this morning to reserve your tickets. And I have a trip coming up in September. And so I have four days that I need to reserve. Okay. I finally reserved the fourth day, finished reserving the fourth day uh, half an hour ago. So it took <laughs> six hours from 7 a.m. No. Wait, no. Yes, no yes, six hours from 7 a.m. Now, granted, I wasn't sitting at my computer the whole time doing this. I didn't even plan to wake up at 7 a.m., but um, some kids started hitting me in the face. So I was like, okay, well, I'm up at 7 a.m., so I might as well try. I was like uh, loading, you know, I just had like the Disney equivalent of the spinning wheel of death for like an hour at 7 a.m. I just passed out and I woke up again at nine and it still wasn't done. Um, and so I, tried, I just tried on and off all throughout the morning. I got two days at one point. Two days at another point. Anyway, if you are going to Disney World in any time before 2021, really, you need to know that you have to buy your tickets and then you're going to have to reserve the park days that you're going to go. So eventually you're going to have to use the system. Of course, it should be all smoothed out by the time most normal people use it. But, you know, just wanted to say that Disney's IT is still very terrible. However, I forgive them because Hamilton is coming out on Disney Plus on July 3rd and I cannot wait. The trailer dropped yesterday. I know that's not what this podcast is about, but that's all I've been thinking about for the last 24 hours. Oh, my goodness. And we use – so we use different names like – or at least Mark and I do every week when we sign into the software that we use to record this podcast. Something funny. And, and Mark and I were fighting because he thinks Hamilton's boring or something. And what? So, <laughs> so he came in. Mark chose the name Jersey Boys today. I mean, I Jersey knew Boys is a good show. Yeah, it's it a is a good show. show. Absolutely. I've seen it. It's a good show. But I came in with the name Hamilton coming July 3rd, exclamation point, just, just to offset that. I'm equally excited as excited, Joe. It's going to be amazing. that trailer. I'm was, sure my kids will like it. I mean, like my mind is blown about how they recorded this thing. Yeah. I, I just, I like, I really hope they have a behind the scenes. I think it's going to be super cool. You know, we're still in COVID times, right? So talking about streaming is still okay. So, you know, I'm still on brand here. <laughs> yeah. And so, and just to, so we have an article on the site. We'll link in the uh, description, which talks about all the changes that have been announced through now. And Joe said like, the 22nd resort guests can do it on June 26th. Annual pass holders that don't have a linked resort stay can start reserving dates. And then June 28th, existing ticket holders, if you have a ticket holder, if you're a ticket holder, but you don't have an annual pass, you can do it. And like you said, no park hopping. Entertainment is restricted in a lot of parks. I was looking, somebody just posted on Hollywood Studios how, how much of the entertainment is gone from that park. And you don't have much left. It's so like half the stuff that's there. Yeah. Yeah. So if you choose Hollywood Studios, you're like stuck to what, like six rides, seven rides. Um, and yeah, I mean, there's some other stuff. But the point is that you got to be kind of really careful because you can't switch parks. And so there's a lot of different kind of planning ideas. I know uh, you said on Twitter that you and Leslie had recorded some stuff on Disney Deciphered. And uh, that's always a good source for this stuff. I know you guys are staying up to date, uh, but you guys had to release the podcast early, right? Because things were changing so quickly. <laughs> we released it early because we were afraid it would become obsolete. And yeah, some news changed within two hours of release. It wasn't big, but still. Uh, actually, you bring up something. You remind me to bring something up, Sean. So one kind of smart thing that Disney is doing is they are staggering their park opening times. Um, so like, for example, Animal Kingdom... This is what they have right now. It might change, but Animal Kingdom opens at 8. Magic Kingdom opens at 9. Hollywood Studios opens at 10. Um, and Epcot opens at 11. And then they close in the same kind of staggered fashion, 6, 7, 8, 9. And I think the reason why they're doing that is so that 
when they run the buses, they can run the buses more empty for social distancing and things like that. But that actually really changes kind of how you plan your day uh, or how you plan your vacation. Because I usually like to start at Epcot, but Epcot opens at 11 a.m. Like that first day on a Disney vacation for me is the day where the kids can wake up the earliest. And I'm not going to waste the first few hours that day, um, you know, waiting to go to Epcot at 11 a.m. So uh, this is if we even go in September, who knows? But, you know, I, I don't have to cancel until five days before. So I'm planning as if I'm going. So, you know, it really has changed um, planning the trip. And it's crazy. Like Disney World was already a trip where you had to plan so much in advance. And now it feels like even more so. Um, I don't know if you've thought about this at all, but Sean, when I was like going through the mental exercise of actually planning, it was uh, it was pretty different. Yeah, I, I haven't considered it. We did request a refund on our annual passes um, because we also have tickets already bought for the future that we were going to upgrade, even though now I know that upgrades are not being done. So I haven't decided because I could all they haven't issued any refunds. So I could keep my annual pass and try to go. I have a couple months left on it once they open. But I'm just thinking that maybe just to stay away for a little while. Uh, if I really want to cover a Disney park and go down, maybe go down to Disneyland uh, when it opens and things settle down. It just seems like it's going to be a lot of, uh, at least the first few months when it's hot outside already, they're trying to figure it all out. I have no desire to be wearing a mask all day in 120 degree or whatever it is, 100 degree with crazy humidity um, in, in central Florida. So yeah, I mean, I, I think it's, I think people who are going to go are the hardcore people who definitely need their, their Disney fix and it's not going to be the same. And Epcot's all torn apart. And Hollywood Studios is half half the entertainment's closed. And entertainment's closed throughout everywhere else. So if you really appreciate Disney and you really need to go to Disney and you're a lover of Disney, then absolutely. If you're somebody who can wait, you're, you, I think your money is going to be – it'll be better spent next year going than it will yeah. be this year. Yeah, this is not the year to go. But in terms of you know coming up with parameters for guests and enforcement, I'm fully confident that Disney is going to enforce their – wear your mask policy. In fact, Orange County uh, has also come up with a mask in public places policy. So even if Disney wasn't doing that, um, you know, the Orange County, the, uh, I guess, local government would override that. But, you know, I do think Disney, both at Disney, at Disney Springs and at their hotels, which have opened today, have shown that they will be enforcing that mask in policy. It's a new world we live in. And Speaking of that, let's talk credit cards because we talked Vegas, we talked Disney, let's talk credit cards. And you wrote a, a really good post on the uh, just a couple days ago on the website, the best four-card uh, American Express kind of situation. If you could choose any four American Express credit cards to have in your wallet, what you would do. And that's because, as we know, American Express limits us to four credit cards now. I thought we, maybe we would go through it. We'll link to the article in the in the show notes, but I thought we'd just kind of go through the cards that American Express does have, and so that we'll, we're covering things that maybe people don't hear about all the time and, and some features, and uh, we'll decide which ones are best for us, and uh, and then we'll talk about what Mark chose at the end. So here's a card. I thought we would start off with the cash magnet card. Does anybody know anybody who has the cash magnet card with American uh, Express? No, I don't know anybody, but I'm sure people do have it. Yeah, I mean, people a, have the Quicksilver. I've never even heard of this card. <laughs> it's like the Quicksilver for Americans. It's exactly like it's no annual fee. It's uh, 1.5% cash back, $150 sign-up bonus. Probably, unless you get deep into the game and you're you're kind of trapped, I don't know, not the not the best card. I think you can do better than the 1.5% uh, cash back on that. So we'll, we'll move on. So the first one I think that a lot of people probably have the Blue Cash Everyday card, 3% back at supermarkets on up to 6000 in purchases. 2% back at department stores, 2% on gas. 
you know, I think that's a card. What a lot of people have between that and the everyday and the uh, everyday preferred. Um, yeah, I would say like the blue cash preferred. I think a lot of yeah, like blue. general America probably has the the blue cash everyday because it doesn't have any annual annual fee. But yeah, if you spend over like thirty two hundred dollars a year on grocery, um, you're better off getting the preferred. Which most people don't crunch those numbers, which is a sad thing to say, but. I think most families spend over three grand a year on groceries. So you, if you're going to the better card, you're getting six percent back, up to six thousand dollars per year, um, and that covers the difference in annual fee. So yeah, and I, I think, should say I made a mistake I, that a lot of people probably did just in what I said because they have a blue cash every day, a blue cash preferred, and then they have an everyday preferred and an everyday card. So they have, but yeah, you're talking about <laughs> yeah, the the no name. annual fee blue cash everyday card, and then the versus the blue cash preferred card which comes yep. with an annual fee and the, the annual fee preferred card gets six percent back at supermarkets yeah so, and on streaming uh, on i streaming, believe six six percent and three percent on transit purchases which might make sense to people who yeah which uh, they just extended it out a lot so it covers a lot of different categories which is nice so i think that's like the big decision between that and the everyday preferred which you earn uh, four and a half times on grocery up to 6000 after you hit your 30 transactions per month, three times on gas when you hit the 30 transactions per month, and one and a half on everything else. Um, so I think that's like the two for one spot of the four cards. I think that's the decision people are going to butt heads with. Uh, do you prefer cash back or do you want membership rewards? Some people yep. might go with the cash back to offset some other costs they have from other cards. Um, other people will say, you know, four and a half, Membership rewards points is worth more than 6% cash back to them. So I could see it both ways, but I think both are, you know, you pick between those two cards. Maybe you double up with them if you really want to do a lot of grocery spend. But I think one of those two ends up in everybody's wallet if you're if you're picking a four-card wallet. I agree. I think I, I'm, I tend to go towards membership rewards points in my earning, but I do have an old blue card that earns cash back uh, at grocery. On a, it's not available anymore, and I do use that. So... I could see the argument both ways as well. Um, Joe, do you have uh, any of these cards that we're just talking about, the the blue cash or the everyday cards? Yeah, I don't. I never get too excited about cash back. I think I've talked about it here, even though it's like what can actually pay the bills. So I do have an everyday card. Uh, I it used to be an everyday preferred, and then I downgraded it to the everyday. I think uh, if I did more spend, I would probably upgrade it back to the everyday preferred. But you know, right now it's just kind of uh, sitting there. It is actually a card that is like on the chopping block if I need to, you know, switch other cards. Cause I, um, well, I have one of these other cards coming up that can cover the same having no annual fee and hold your membership rewards, uh, type situation. Well, the good thing about like the downgrade, you can play the upgrade downgrade game with Amex too. Like, uh, my wife's everyday preferred, we just got her the gold card. So I was like, I don't really need this extra grocery spend cause gold is you know, 25K, four, you get four times membership rewards up to 25K. So we downgraded her everyday preferred to the everyday card. And then like two weeks later, she got an upgrade offer for 25,000 points. So we upgraded her right back to it. That's something to consider too. If you're not using a card with Amex, always look to downgrade to the no fee option if you've had the card before. Because if you haven't had the card before, downgrading eliminates your possibility of getting a sign-up bonus. So you want to make sure that you've had it before. And if you've had it before, downgrade in the hopes of getting an upgrade offer, which usually comes sometimes within a couple months, but often like after a year. All right. And let's move on to the Delta card. So Delta, American Express has four Delta personal cards. 
and I'm not going to go to every single benefit and feature, but if somebody is going to use up one of their four slots for a Delta card, why, why should they do that? I think the main reason somebody would want to get uh, Delta cards, and they'd probably want to carry two of them, maybe even four of them, is the MQMs you can get through spend towards status. So anybody that's a big Delta flyer or, or values their status highly um, will get the, uh, the Delta Reserve or the Delta Platinum card. Both of those earn MQMs uh, based on large spending bonuses. So those are the, the two main reasons, I would say, to keep it long-term. Another one for Delta Flyers, a gold card, if you like to check luggage, you get free uh, check bags on that. So that's another one. A lot of times, like one flight will usually pay for the $95 annual fee if you if you normally pay for bags. But I think the the big thing is if you're spending towards status with Delta, then you might, some people might use up all four of their slots on Delta cards because they can get, I think you can get up to like platinum status through spend. Yeah, I mean, for me, I think you can get all the way to, diamond if you're like crazy spending oh yeah if you do like over the 250k or something yeah i don't know if you quite get there on the mqms but yeah close yeah but i mean you can ms the rest of the way yeah for me the keeper out of the delta cards is the gold card just because we fly delta enough and uh well you know normal times of course and we fly delta enough and on paid fares that those check bags generally are going to pay for themselves however I would only hold the Delta Gold card after I've rotated through the other three cards. So, you know, I I kind of have a Delta slot that is always changing um, as I'm getting the sign-up bonuses. Although I think I've finally exhausted all the sign-up bonuses um, since they're once-in-a-lifetime on the Delta card. So, you know, now I think finally I've ended up with a Delta Gold and I'm holding that. But, you know, you can run through the four flavors of this and there's the business and personal versions of a lot of them. So, you know, there's a lot of uh, sign up bonuses to get, but when it, when everything settles, you know, Delta gold is where I kind of hang at because that is, that's uh, a, I'm not, I'm not going to pay for um, status. That's a good uh, thought because I think a lot of people start with the gold card because the annual fees usually waive the first year. So that's an easy one to get into and it doesn't cost you any money. And, and it usually has like a 70 K bonus or something like that. So I think that's a good tip to, to save it to the end. If you're, if you're planning on going through all of them, if in, if you want to use it for check bags, um, I'm carry on for life, so we can never travel together, Joe. I, I would just stare at you with death the whole time we're sitting by the carousel. You know, actually, I mean, you bring Same. up a good point. You bring up you bring up a good point, right? Because now that I will no longer have to check car seats and strollers pretty soon, then I might move away from having needing check bags again. Because yeah. what happened was, you know, I always had to check a car seat or a stroller. Well, if I have to check one thing, then I might as well check bags. Right. Yeah, but uh, we just always gate check our stroller or our stroller and car seat, and that way we get it right back at the gate, and we don't have to worry about the. I know you have more kids though, so that that's it's, more it's pretty hard to together. carry the car seat all the way through with the uh, with all the kids. Yeah, I mean, if we had when we had one, like we didn't, yeah, we didn't we didn't check stuff in when we had one kid. Yeah, it makes we, sense. Once once we had two small kids, you know, we were gonna have to check something large kid related. So you know, at that point, we were like, oh, we might as well check bags. You need to get right. that set up where you you put the seat like on the uh, the luggage so the kid just sits on the luggage while you're dragging him around. Dude, I bought <laughs> one of those things where you attach it to the car seat and you drag the kid along like it's a yeah. roller board. Okay, but my wife made me return it because she said that's corny. <laughs> you know what I want to get is the suitcases that has the motorized wheels, so you just sit on your suitcase and <laughs> Dri- drive you. Yes, drive I want the, I would like the adult version of that, please. <laughs> They like, do have the why, adult version. Why does that have to only be for kids? They have an adult version. I I'm guess I'm short sure. enough. I'm, I'm short enough that I could I could do that. No. Could you uh, imagine the looks you get zooming through the airport on your suitcase? Uh, it would be worth it just for that, just to be like, 
put on a nice pair of sunglasses, um, look really cool. And just I need like, to do oh, it. And the then you got to tape it from behind, John. I mean, it's like, like probably one mile an hour, too. So you're just like kind of really slowly going through the airport, too. What if the suitcase converted to a hoverboard type situation? That'd be pretty cool. Yeah. Michael J. Fox. There you go. All right. So let's talk Marriott Bonvoy. Do you guys carry uh, Marriott? I used to carry SPG cards, obviously. Um, Next. <laughs> yeah, I mean, pretty, pretty much. I mean, uh, I used to carry the SPG cards. Uh, both a business and personal, and they converted. But I, I've since gotten rid of them, so I don't have any Marriott cards anymore. Do you guys? I know Joe said next. No. Mark, do you have any? Do you feel like if you're really in I the... I mean, you pretty much have to have them from SBG to still have them with Amex besides the Brilliant, right? Yeah, the Brilliant is the one I was going to talk about because that's a premium $450 annual fee and you know comes with a $300 Marriott credit. But unless you're really really needing that, there's probably better options for you or like yeah. like we've said you've gone through other bonuses and now you're trying to look for something and if you, maybe if you get a good sign up bonus on it, but um there's so many premium cards now it could be so easy to get stuck paying you know $450 fee here, 550 there and on and on and on. Yeah, I don't get the um so many times in like the Facebook group and stuff, we we see people that are carrying like a ton of uh Bonvoy cards and they're like Oh, I have seven free nights, and I'm having a struggle to use them. You know, the thirty-five thousand point nights are are tough to use, but I still pay the ninety-five dollar annual fee because you know the free nights worth more than that. But if you're struggling to use them, or you're trying to carry them over from year to year, and like, what's the point? Are you really getting any value? The value is only there when you use it. So yeah, you can mentally build it up in your head, like, hey, these these thirty-five thousand points are worth. $150. I'll pay $95 for a $150 hotel room. That's a great deal. But it's only a great deal if you can easily use it. So don't fall into that trap is what I would say. All right. And so the next would be Hilton. And I believe if I'm, if I remember correctly, two out of the four Hilton cards actually ended up in your final four. Yeah. So let's start with the surpass, which is the, there is a no annual fee Hilton card. Um, but, and it's actually a decent no annual fee card, but surpasses what a lot better for the night yeah i mean you don't want really want to take it up a slot unless you have a specific use for that um like you said people have downgraded to the no annual fee in the past with hilton and then gotten very nice uh offers to upgrade so that's a that's a reason that you might have the no annual fee but the surpass is the first one you mentioned in your post that's only a 95 dollars annual fee you get a free night after fifteen thousand spend and then they of course they have these grocery bonuses right now so what why do you feel like it, it deserves a spot um, I did a post a while back, like uh, the best three card wallet of like all cards for return on all spend, like basing it off a family of four spends $30,000 a year and, you know, basing it off of figures of what I got online of like what an average family spends and surpass was one of the cards that made it and mainly because of the annual free night you get after 15k and spend for me, that's worth like 250 to $300. So, so you're basically like getting 2% spend off that first 15k right there from the free night if you can use it of course so and then you throw in the points that you're earning on top of it and you're looking at you know if you're doing it at grocery and stuff you're looking at five to six percent return which is tough to beat so i think everybody if you stay at hilton's a few nights a year it's worth it spend it get the free night and then you also get gold status which comes with uh, free breakfast and it's it's almost as good as some top tier status with other brands and you can get it for ninety five dollars. There's no need to mattress run or spend a ton of nights. So I think you can get like a good three four day weekend out of spending fifteen k and and using your free night um, each year. I'm sorry, didn't we just say free nights are really hard to use? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Only when they're bonvoy. 
<laughs> this isn't no cap. Bias this here. isn't cap. I mean, it's it's weekend uh, cap, so it's got to be Friday, Saturday, Sunday. But that that's when most people travel anyway. You just have to find a safer space. So I think it's easier than Bonvoy, bon unless you want to stay at an airport hotel. I, I'm just kidding, but it is funny, like yeah. how like our logic changes depending on the program. Because like I feel the exact same way between Bonvoy and Hilton, but. It's still funny that we like apply different standards depending on the program. Oh no, not, I've when heard people say that it's hard to use Hilton Nights too. So when it's when it's juxtaposed like right one right after another, it's just a little <laughs> jarring. Right. And moving into the Aspire card as free nights. <laughs> oh, I regret I regret you convincing me to downgrade the Aspire card. <laughs> yeah, he really screwed us all on that one, though, didn't he, Joe? I did too. And then of course, like the next week, up fourteen X on. Uh... No, they. I mean, the Aspire card. You you've been talking about this card since it came out, Mark. There's reviews on the site. You've called it one of the best cards around, if not the best card. I think you actually did call it the best card I said at one point. The best perks card, yeah, around. Yeah. It's and the it, only card out there that pays you to carry it when there's no COVID, at least. <laughs> and uh, it does come with a four hundred fifty dollar annual fee, but a ton of perks and benefits. And a lot of us did downgrade the card recently. A lot of the people. Uh, in the MTM circle. I know that I know a couple of other people who did as well, but why do you think that this one is not only in your, should be in the wallet, but you should be paying a $450 annual fee every year? Uh, the main reason is, you know, the perks you get outweigh the annual fee and it's, it's pretty easy to lay that out. Uh, every year you get the, the free night, which is worth a couple hundred dollars at least. Um, it's not too hard to use. Unlike Bonvoy nights, we're going to make that claim, I guess. You also get a $200 airline incident or is it no $250 airline incidental, which is getting more and more difficult to use. So you got to discount that some back in the day when it first came out, it was a lot easier to use. You could buy gift cards and stuff like that. Um, I use mine for seat fees on spirit airlines. So if you fly any of the low cost carriers, that's a good one. Um, Southwest, some flights under a hundred dollars credit it, but who knows how long that will last. So there's still some options, but you have to discount it some. And then you also get the $250 resort credit, which I think is the key piece to it. If you know you can easily use that, then that's where the value is, where you're you're going above the annual fee. Um, and then you also get priority pass and, and lounge access and diamond status with Hilton, which is great internationally. Domestically, I don't see a big difference between diamond and gold, but internationally you do see um, people reward you for having it so there's a lot of uh value there on the resort nights i would say because it's limited to specific resort properties and that's in apostrophes because that's what hilton calls resorts it could be a double tree that they call a resort so may be sure you can use that before you dive in i would say but it it's not a great card for spend but it's a great card for perks yeah we have a lot of great info info on the site milesmemories.com about the uh about all the Hilton cards. So check that out if uh, if you want to know more about those. And to close it out, let's talk business cards. I know business cards are a big part of all of our strategies with American Express. And I know there's one business card that we all love to talk about, and it's the Lowe's Business Rewards card, right? That's the one that we all carry in our wallets, right? <laughs> I'm sure there's a way to game that. I bet you there is. It is. But, I mean, it gives you 5% off on, on Lowe's purchases, but you can often and they sell get gift cards and everything. So yeah. yeah. So, and you can often get discounts on Lowe's gift cards so to do better now I'm um, going to sign up for a Lowe's card after this thanks Sean there's <laughs> not the new, Lowe's card there's my there, new MS play a new <laughs> but there is a store card that that you do mention and that is definitely worth considering and that's the Amazon business prime card from American Express and that gives you five percent back or 90 day terms on uh on purchases on Amazon and uh 
including AWS and Whole Foods Market and everything like that. That's if you're a Prime member. So yeah, know, this it's one, a great option. Oh, yeah, go, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say it's a great option for people that are over Chase five twenty four or don't want to use a spot because Chase has the personal card. So if you have a Prime account and you can get business cards, it won't take up a slot and it doesn't um, count towards your five twenty four. So it's a good option if you don't want to be running out to buy Amazon gift cards all the time to get a similar rate or a better return. Yeah. As you know, uh, you know, people, they buy Amazon gift cards at Staples or office Depot using ink cards to get five X back, or they take advantage of Amex offers at places like Lowe's where you can buy Amazon gift cards at a discount if you have an offer for that. So they do that. But like you say in your article and just make a good point, sometimes you just want something simple and being able to use a card, you're buying on Amazon, you use a card, you're getting your 5% back. Yeah, that's pretty attractive, I think, for a good segment of the population who doesn't want the complication of going and buying gift cards. And then just to close it out, our last one, the, the true business, the one that we really all, I think we all have and we all really like is the Blue Business Plus card, which earns uh, 2x membership rewards points on up to 50000 I think it's the one card, if you have a business and can get business cards, it's the one MX card everybody should have, hands down. Yeah, there is a cash version, the Blue Business Cash, which gives you 2% cash back. But like we've talked about earlier, I don't know why you wouldn't want to get the two po- the Blue Business Plus card, which gives you 2x membership rewards. That's the one I choose, and uh, n- neither one of those has an annual fee. The one interesting thing, if people are looking to get either one of those cards, but specifically Blue Business Plus, is 0% introductory APR on purchases for 12 months. So if you have a business and your business is going to have a lot of expenses coming up, this is a good card that's going to get you one of the best rates of return on any card and then no interest for 12 months on the purchases. So that's something to also keep in mind strategically if uh, you have a need for that. And the awesome thing I'll say about Amex versus uh, City or Chase is they have several no-fee cards that earn transferable currencies, uh, the membership rewards, where like City and Chase... you. They have cards that will earn ultimate rewards or thank you points, but they're not transferable until you have a, a annual fee card to unlock them. So I, I wish the other ones would jump into that. Like if Ink Cash became transferable, that'd be awesome. Something like that. But until that point, I think that puts AMX ahead in, in terms of ease to earn and earn for cheap. Yeah, I like to use the Blue Business Plus as my, you know, that's compared to the everyday cards where I need to worry about doing 30 transactions and stuff like that or 20. I just the ease of use for the blue business plus you know if i need a card want to earn membership rewards points and i'm not at grocery or whatever just getting that 2x for up to fifty thousand, um just in terms of simplicity that's why i keep that card all right and i think that kind of wraps it up i hope people enjoyed kind of going through the lineup and why we think what is good and what's not it's going to really vary by uh what your circumstance is and we have tons of information on the site about it and then we also have mark's uh recent article which will be linked in the show notes talking about his optimal choice uh, for this. And then let's just uh, head on to uh, rapid fires. Uh, Mark, do you want to start us off? Yeah. The uh, first one I want to bring up was Virgin Atlantic bookings on Delta airlines using Virgin miles, basically to fly Delta flights is a favorite thing of mine because I'm Delta hub. I love Delta as well, their service and everything. And you can book their flights usually cheaper using Virgin Atlantic miles. Well, um, a buddy of mine reached out and said, hey, I have a flight coming up on Sunday. It's showing up on my Virgin login, but on Delta, it's vanished. And when I go to add it, it airs out. 
I'm having issues. I can't pull it up. I can't check my change my seats. Nothing. So we were like, oh, what's going on? Is there an issue? Well, he ended up taking the flight on Sunday. He couldn't check in for the flight 24 hours out. He called Delta and they said, no, it's still in our system. You're good. When he showed up, he was able to print his boarding pass. No problem. So it looks like it's a glitch on Delta Zen because other flights that he's booked using Virgin Miles with other airlines are still showing up on the other airlines um, logins and stuff. So I think it's a Delta IT issue. Hopefully they get it corrected. But I know a lot of people commented on the article and said, hey, mine's gone too. This is worrisome. But have no fear. It should still be fine. Sean, I think you had the next one. Yeah, I, I wanted to uh, quickly mention this one, even though it's a it's a pretty in-depth article and one I think everybody should should read. What is the cheapest way to earn heaps of city thank you points by uh, Benji? Really great uh, article po- uh, published this week. And he really breaks down different card combinations, different ways, places you can buy stuff and earn points. Lots of math. So if you want to really deep, dig into your percentage of return and your math and get deep into the numbers for city thank you points, this is the post that you should be reading. And uh, I highly suggest it. And there's not much I can talk about in a rapid fire about it because it's so in-depth. But we will put the link in the, in the show notes for you. All right. And that'll do it for us this week. Uh, Joe, when people aren't listening to you on this podcast, where can they find you? You can find me writing at tinyletter.com slash asjoeflies, podcasting about miles and points, serositeobservationdeck.com, podcasting about Disney, disneydecipher.com, and all over social media at asjoeflies. What about you, Mark? Hey, just an update on the make it rain in the bedroom comment. Uh, when my wife came home, she gave me a wink and a thumbs up. No, just kidding. She gave me a sar- – she had some sarcastic remark about it. So I said I would update you guys, but I didn't – she wasn't too upset about it. So that's good. You can find me on Twitter, McCosty1038. Email me, Mark, at milestomemories.com. Come on any of the posts on Miles to Memories website. I'll get back to you there or join one of our Facebook groups. How about you, Sean? youtube.com slash miles to memories subscribe so we have new videos that are going to be coming out every week some of it's going to be kind of location stuff like vegas but then also uh, some in-depth stuff on uh, on the stuff we do on the site for spending and gift cards and stuff like that so youtube.com forward slash miles to memories subscribe hit the bell icon so you get notified and uh, of course disneyhacks.com for the disney hacks podcast and milestomemories.com where we are posting 50 plus articles a week news stories everything else so check it out uh our entire team is just doing amazing work day in and day out and thank you guys for for listening and for supporting the show and until next time bye see ya the question how was your week (laughs) (laughs) let's talk business cards really quick as we go hold on before before we go for hey joe can you land that plane in your background yeah what is that noise (laughs) sorry to everybody i mean this is what happens i can't i can't use my main computer so i'm using this laptop and it's really tired obviously (laughs) oh it's the fan okay (laughs) what Uh, am i gonna do I mean, I'm muted on Discord, so people can't hear it. I'll take it out of the. I can, I can, I can noise edit it out of the uh, final recording. Oh, it sounds like you're in a wind tunnel. I mean, it's, this computer it's really hot in this house, and this computer is really hot. What can I say? Oh, I'm gonna do so the much. thing where I, I, I'm putting the computer on its side so its back is not on the table anymore. So maybe it'll calm down. All right. And okay, we, back to the back to Sean. Joe.
I got nothing. <laughs> you don't have to do one if you don't have one. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't have anyone. You can just close it out. All right. We're running a little late anyway. Yeah. All right. And that will do it for this I'm show. I'm also very self-conscious about my airplane 747 <laughs> in the background. <laughs> Thanks, Mark. <laughs> <laughs>